0: Before we start, next week we're going to be starting, a, we've been in the book of Acts since September. We, we took a little break around Christmas, a little break around Easter, but largely we've been in the book of Acts. And before we start, next week we're going to do a couple months in the book of Nehemiah. Okay, We're going to do Nehemiah for, thank you Jake. Uh, and we're going to be doing it actually, it's going to be a little, a little, something a little different. We're doing it in tandem with Joy Community Fellowship of Williamstown. They're going to be preaching through the same series as we are. And we may have a couple surprises for you over the eight-week period uh, that we're doing this series. So I'm not going to tell you anything more than that right now. I also, for those who get our email announcements, uh, and if you don't, you can uh, email Gabby. I think her email address is on the back of the bulletin. Um, But uh, I'm planning tomorrow to do a a Nehemiah primer, either a video or just a document that you can get to review a little bit of basics on the book of Nehemiah to prepare us for the series. Uh, But before we do that, I'm taking this week to do uh, just a standalone sermon. And with Mother's Day approaching next week, for those who didn't hear what I was saying five minutes ago when the mic was off, uh, I had moms on my mind. Uh, Particularly, I had on my mind a point of a sermon that I wished I had more time to develop when we were doing the book of John last year, we finished the book of John last spring, uh, and I had the opportunity last, last year at JCF of Williamstown to, to preach on this particular passage that I'm going to uh, share on this morning. Um, it's such a poignant scene that we're going to consider. We're in John chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 19. We're going to read verses 23 to 30. But this scene is amazing. It's probably one that many of you are familiar with. Jesus Jesus is hanging on the cross. Jesus is literally about to take his dying breath. And just before he does, he takes the time to care for his mom. So we're going to read, as I said, verses 23 to 30, but we're going to focus on verses 25 to 27. John 19, 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the Scripture which says, They divided My garments among them, and for My clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, knowing that all was now finished, uh, sorry, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of water, a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, It is finished. He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. Would you pray with me? Thank You, Father, for Your Word. Your Word is truth. Work in our hearts and minds by Your truth, by the power of Your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help me to be faithful to Your Word. Be with us and bless us. Thank You for caring for us. Thank You for this example of Your great love and care for those who are Yours. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to consider a few things this morning. We're going to consider Jesus' physical and spiritual care for His mother. Jesus' care while suffering and then the care that only Jesus can give. So his physical and spiritual care for his mother, his care while suffering, and then the care that he can only give, only he can give. I'm going to move this. I can't see Mrs. Placo over here. i got, I got to be able to see your face. Keep my eye on you. The earthly lives of his people matter to Jesus. Jesus is not a Savior who says uh, nothing on earth matters. He cares for the physical needs of His people. And beyond that, He cares for the spiritual and the eternal needs of His people. He is a gentle and merciful Savior. Do you know that today? He is a gentle and merciful Savior. Most commentators seem to agree that Mary was a widow at this point. There's no mention of Joseph's life beyond the birth narrative in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus is mentioned as his son in John chapter 6 when his public ministry begins, but Joseph is not present, which leads most to believe that he had died when Jesus was young. Jesus would have felt under no compulsion to do what he did if Joseph was there. Which brings me to a question, In the, do you have your Bibles open still? A question that I thought was insignificant, it's a sidebar question, but every commentary I read on this spent lots of ink on this question. How many women were at the cross of Jesus in this passage? Two, three, or four. Mike Holmes nailed it. Uh, Yes, there there are some who say that it's two. Now if it's two, what that means is that Mary, the wife of Clopas, is who? Jesus' mother. And she's been remarried. Which would also mean that Jesus does not need to provide for her. Because Clopas would provide for her. So I'm saying it's not two women there. It could be Three women that Mary, the wife of Clopas, was his mother's sister. But I'm going to land on four. Four women at the cross. His mother and his mother's sister, and then Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. that Four women are at the foot of the cross. And, And it's significant only to this point that Mary was not still married to Joseph and was not remarried at this point. She was truly a widow. And the cultural ramifications of that could be huge. She needed to come under the shelter of a husband or a son, or she would face the reality of being an outcast with very little value in the eyes of society. But Jesus ensures that that will not be the case. Note here that Jesus takes care of Mary, and not vice versa. He is the superior who cares for the weak and the needy. We sang that, right? Jesus strong and kind. Mary was indeed highly favored, but she was every bit as needy of the mercy of Jesus as we are. But why, in this passage, is Jesus entrusting Mary to John and not to his siblings? Why, why is Jesus handing Mary over to John? Not a relative. Not a, or at least not a sibling. I think there's two reasons. First one, this is going to sound very simplistic. They weren't, they weren't there. They were not there. His siblings were not at the cross. That sounds simplistic, but this scene takes place during what time of the year in the Jewish calendar? Passover feast. Had Jesus' siblings ever been known to go to a feast? Mm, This is Bible trivia. Yes, they had. John chapter 7. They were going to go up to the Feast of Booths, right? They were challenging Jesus. Hey, if you're really who you say you are, this would be a great time for you to make yourself known to everybody. Because they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. But they were not here at the Feast of the Passover. They were not here in what became their mother and their brother's greatest hour of need. John was. Jesus' physical provision for Mary is a living picture of the call upon faithful children. 1 Timothy chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, I want to open up to that. 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 3 Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The believer in Christ who does not show godliness to their own household is worse than an unbeliever, Paul says. How? How is that possible? Well, I think the point that Paul is making, he's saying the person who doesn't provide for their own family, who doesn't care for their own uh, parents, who's a believer in Christ, is behaving worse than an unbeliever. You're acting worse than somebody who doesn't even profess faith in Christ. Even those who have no faith often seek to take care of their families, right? How much more those within the church Here, Jesus acts as the perfect older brother. The Scriptures are filled with examples of bad older brothers. Kids, can you think of an example of a bad older brother? Not in your own family, uh, but in the Bible. Bad older brothers in the Bible. Go ahead, give me one. Cain. Cain. Cain was a pretty bad older brother, right? Esau. I heard Esau over there. Esau wasn't the best older brother. Joseph's brothers. They were also not great older brothers, were they? Lots of examples. We could keep going. Lots of examples. And I think, by the way, our God is a wonderful author, right? Right? He's been telling us a story throughout the history of humanity to point us to a reality that brother after brother failed. Brother after brother failed. But there was going to be a brother coming who would not fail. A brother who wouldn't be like the prodigal son's older brother who said, let that that younger brother go off." No, this older brother was going to chase down the wayward younger brothers. This older brother was going to take care of his parents. Jesus Christ is the perfect older brother. He makes sure that before he dies, his mom is taken care of. And he did this not only as our example, we are going to talk about his example, but he also does it as our righteousness. Righteousness. His perfect obedience counts on our behalf through faith. Where we have fallen short as children, our Savior never does. He cares for His own to the very end. And so that was the first reason why He didn't entrust Mary to His siblings. And I think the sec- they weren't there. They physically weren't there. But secondly, Jesus doesn't entrust Mary to His siblings probably because He's caring for her not just physically, but spiritually. To this point in the narrative, we know Jesus' siblings do not believe. Now, praise God, by His grace, they're going to believe. They will one day believe. But at this point, His siblings were not believers in Him. We see in Scripture that they thought He was out of His mind. They thought he was nuts. In spite of many evidences that he was telling the truth. Jesus had siblings who did not believe. This is not the point of this sermon or this text. But just take a moment to think about that. Jesus had siblings who don't believe. I think that's worth stopping and thinking about for a second. Do we need any greater evidence that apart from a miracle we will not believe? Apart from the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, God shining His light on our dark hearts, do we need any greater proof than to say Jesus had siblings who were not believers? How is that possible? Right? You probably think, like, if I was Jesus' brother or sister, no doubt about it, I would have believed. And the answer is, you had exactly the same amount of chance of believing in Jesus as his brothers and sisters did. And apart from grace, apart from God giving light to the eyes, changing a dead heart, nobody has any hope. You could see all the miracles you want. Jesus himself could walk in this door today and perform 50 miracles in front of us and there would still be some people who would walk out and not believe. Do you believe that? It's true. It's true. By entrusting Mary to John, Jesus shows the significance of caring not only for the physical needs of the hurting and lowly, but also for the souls of the hurting and lowly. While the world may marginalize some, downplay the importance of some, forget some, it must not be so within the church. Why do we advocate for the end of abortions? Or for orphan care? Or for adoption? Or for caring for our widows? Caring for the poor among us? Caring for the chronically ill? Why, do we, why is that a burden of ours? Because the church is a people bought by the blood of Christ all meant to experience the joy of salvation together. All providing for one another so that we may continue together with one voice to glorify our God and Savior. And so we have opportunities to care for those maybe whose society would say unimportant at that time, Mary would have been considered useless to society as a widow. Not so in the church. Mary may be forgotten by society, but through Jesus, she would not be forgotten by the church. And we need to rejoice in the fact that we have a body that's represented by all kinds, young and old, strong and weak, needy and wealthy, many gifts, many talents, many different varieties, various life stages. I say this a lot, but I do. I rejoice that we, well, I can look out in a room that goes from young to, um, to older. <laughs> mature, <laughs> yes. From young to mature. A body that lacks any one of those is hurting. A body that says those who are widows are unimportant or those who are chronically ill are unimportant or a body that says those who don't have financial means are unimportant, they are hurting. That's wrong. And Jesus shows here that the body of Christ is meant to care for every single one. And that every single one has as much to offer to the collective good of the whole as any other right we don't just say like well listen the the really like the richest people here are the only ones who have something to give to this body or the young people or the older people no all are vital parts of the body of Christ and all are meant to care for one another and in this passage we see that John is obedient to Jesus command, right? Verse 27. After Jesus said, "Behold your mother," John, it says, "From that hour the disciple took her into his own home." We get to see here that John becomes a living picture of Christ's call on the church. We have to heed this call too physically and spiritually, providing for all within the body as we have means. So we see Jesus' care physically and spiritually. We also see His care through suffering. It's startling to consider what Jesus is going through here, right? Like, we can just read it, like, hey, He's hanging on the cross, He's taking care of His mom. Just from a physical sense, This man is in agony. The beatings that he has endured. The hands and feet pierced. The difficulty breathing. Those who were crucified died by suffocation. That's the state he finds himself in here. And as he gasps for air, drawing his final breaths, literally the next thing we read, he dies. He makes sure his mom is taken care of. It feels like his mom should be taking care of him, but he is taking care of his mom. The suffering servant serves while he suffers. And I have difficulty serving others like when I have a cold. And I know that's something that's probably unique to men, uh, but, but we all... We all have these things where it's like if I'm going through any measure of something difficult, I want the world to like to stop. And and please, I need to be attended to. You couldn't possibly expect this of me in in any moment of of minor suffering that I'm walking through. And I I just I wanna I want us to see here, I don't want to take this too far. But we are a people who can tend to get so consumed by our own suffering and struggles. Real suffering and real struggles. Or perceived suffering and perceived struggles. That we miss opportunities to love others and be blessed as we suffer. I say it with trepidation because there are people in here who are going through really difficult things right now and i'm not saying hey buddy everybody has hard times suck it up and move on i'm not saying any of those things but i am saying that jesus shows us an example here of one who says suffering will not keep me from serving in the midst of hardship in our lives there is a blessedness to serving others many of you know that right In the midst of going through hard times in our own lives, trials in our own lives, there is a blessedness to serving. Our Savior showed that. Serving while He suffered. Washing feet. Preaching the Gospel. Caring for His mother. But that's not the point of emphasis I want to leave us with this morning. Before we go to the Lord's table. I don't want you to take this morning's passage and simply say, alright, how, how can I serve my family and my church family better? How can I do it even if I'm suffering? I would love for you to ponder it. That's a great question to talk about with others. What are some ways that I can uh, better serve? Or care, how, am I taking care of my family? Am I taking care of my church family? Am I contributing to the good of the whole How can I continue to serve the Lord even when it's hard for me? Even when I feel physical pain or emotional pain or when when times are hard? Those are great questions to ponder and let the Holy Spirit do His work in you. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, the thing we are most ultimately meant to see in this passage is the glory of Jesus caring for His own to the point of death. Doing what he alone can do. He had cared for Mary's physical needs. He had cared for her temporal, spiritual needs. But by the very nature of what he was doing, he was caring for her physical and spiritual needs in ways that she could not yet understand. Mary had heard from the angel, right? She she knew that this baby to be born was special. That he was the fulfillment of Scripture. She had heard prophecies made over him by others. She had seen his ministry. And even herself, it seems, at times, doubted. But what could prepare any mother for this scene? Moms. You put yourself there at the foot of the cross. Looking up and seeing your child? What could prepare any mom for this scene? Yet here she is, right there at the foot of the cross, undoubtedly distraught, being loved by her Son, by His suffering and death. Not just through it, but by it. She may not know it yet but she will soon. Mary, don't lose heart. Your boy is dying for you. We marvel at the temporal provisions Jesus makes for his mom in the scene and we should. But with our last few minutes let's just consider the eternal provisions that Jesus is making for Mary And for us. This is not only the story of Jesus' care for Mary. It's a reminder for each of us of His great love for all of His brothers and sisters. Apart from which, we have no hope. So let's consider what is happening here. I wrote down four things and I know there's plenty more. Jesus is completing His life of perfect obedience to His heavenly Father. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Philippians 2.8 These are the last moments of that obedient earthly life. Jesus Christ is perfectly obeyed every command of God the Father from the heart all the time up to and including laying His life down on a cruel Roman cross. Every command. He obeyed every command of His Father perfectly from the heart so that all who live with disobedience on their record... Do we have disobedience on our record? God has told us what He wants from us. He has given us His law, His commands. And Jesus has even said, I'll put it more succinctly for you. I'll wrap it all up in two. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And just by the measure of those two commandments, and just by the measure of the last few hours, how far short do we fall? love God with all your heart Jesus loved God with all his heart and he did everything God said to do from the heart and his obedience his obedience counts on our behalf through faith just in the things we talked about I'm conve- I- I'm writing this sermon and, and it's like, I'm, who am I to stand up here and talk about these things? Who am I to talk about what it means to be a good caregiver for a parent? I think I fall so woefully short. Jesus fell short never. And his obedience is credited to our account. Jesus is providing a sacrificial death. So his life of obedience is ending. And here he is providing a sacrificial death. Here he is suffering as the perfect Passover lamb. We're going to get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. He is dying as the perfect, at the Passover, as the perfect fulfillment of the Passover lamb. He is paying the penalty, absorbing the punishment for our sin. So His obedience gets credited to our account. And our sin, as He hung on that cross, was credited to Him. He bore it on the tree. Jesus was dying for Mary, dying for John, dying for His wayward siblings, dying for us paying for our sin and rejection, paying for all of our efforts that fall woefully short, paying for our lack of love for God and others, Jesus is dying here to receive the punishment for those. All of them. Once for all time. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read I'm going to read verses 4-6. through six, If I ever get to it. Okay. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and you This is what He is accomplishing. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That is what's happening in this moment. He is giving His life as a ransom for many. Perfect obedience. Sacrificial death. In this moment also, Jesus is giving His mother an earthly home While simultaneously defeating the powers of darkness and the grip of sin to provide for her a home in his father's house, Jesus said, In my father's house are many rooms. He was going to prepare a place for his disciples, for Mary. And for us, and the way of preparation, the way of preparation to eternal glory was through the cross. That was the road that needed to be traveled by Him alone for us to have any hope. And He did it. It is beautiful that Mary had a home with John, but it is glorious that Mary would have a place to dwell forever. A home in the heavens made without hands when her earthly tent was torn down. Do you know that hope today, brothers and sisters? That you have the hope not just of temporal provision. The church is a wonderful blessing in this world. But our greatest hope is in a home that we have not yet reached. Prepared for us by Jesus Himself. Through His death and What would happen a few days later? His victorious resurrection from the dead. To assure that this hope is not just pie in the sky. Not something that we made up. But He is really and truly alive. Ruling and reigning at the right hand of God the Father. So that Mary's hope, John's hope, and our hope is secure through faith in Christ. Forgiveness of sins. Debt to God canceled. The perfect life of Jesus credited to your account. All by grace. All because He cares for you. And the final takeaway I have from this morning's passage is that Jesus truly protects those who are His. He is a protector. To His very dying breath, He cared for His mom And it is good to know the protective care of the Lord Jesus. Mary would be safe. And we too can know safety in the shelter that Jesus provides. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, as Jesus hangs on the cross, and Mary and the others may literally be in the shadow of the cross. He is providing for them the ultimate protection. Jesus dies to become the place of shelter for His people. Sheltering us from the righteous wrath of God against our sin. He takes the beating that we deserve He bears the disgrace that we earned. He paid the penalty for our sin. And He provides the answer to the correct accusations of the devil that these people should never be declared right in your sight. These people need to pay for their sins. And the Lord says, paid in full through the blood of Jesus. Through the victorious resurrection of Jesus. There is nothing against us on our account before God. That's an amazing thing to think that one day you're going to stand before God. Have you thought about that? I hope you have. You're going to stand before God one day. Some will have to give a full accounting for everything they've ever done. Every word spoken against Him. Every moment lived not for His glory. And who are we that we wouldn't be those people but God, right? That when we stand before God, we, we do not have to stand before him as those fearful of judgment because Christ has borne our judgment for us. Jesus is our shelter. When, he sees, when the Lord sees us, he sees his son those who are trusting in Him. He shelters His people through fiery trials. Maybe some of you are walking through fiery trials right now. The fact that He provided for your eternal care means that He is with you in every single thing that you go through, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't remember it. He is with you. He will provide that protective care until we reach the shores of eternity, where He will remain our shelter forever. Revelation 7, verse 15. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Jesus is sheltering. He is protecting Mary. And He is protecting us by means of His inglorious death. He bears our disgrace so that all who believe will be safe. Now and forever safe safe from the accusations of the enemy, safe in all that this life throws at us, and because this One who died was raised in victory, we are safe with Him forever. The Good Shepherd lays down His life to make sure that not just His mom, but all His sheep are safe forever. Trust and rest in Him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank You for Your great love. We are so unworthy. Forgive us, even as we encounter this passage, for how short we fall in loving those in our families, loving our church family, in loving You. So many ways that we have seen that we fall short. We are needy. We are needy. We are dependent upon Your mercy and we thank You that You have made clear that Your mercy is for all who are trusting in Christ. And so we come again now and say, forgive us, Lord. Assure us that we are Yours through faith. Forgiven by the blood of Christ. Saved by the perfect life of obedience and the sacrificial death of Your Son. We thank you that death could not hold Jesus, that he is risen and reigning, interceding on behalf of all who believe. We thank you for real hope and for your great love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.